0: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's Baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. From baseball's top personalities.
1: The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the All-Star.
0: Matt Chapman. with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I,
2: I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend.
0: This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend.
1: Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered. I am Chris Townsend, and today is going to be all about Marcus Simeon in this episode. Because Marcus, what a year that he had. It's one of the great years in A's history. Just not Oakland A's history. It's truly one of the best seasons in A's history. And we know he's not going to win the MVP but the bottom line is he is a top three candidate, and that's all we could ask for because the competition obviously is so tough with Mike Trout and Alex Bregman. But when you look at the season, he hit two eighty-five on the year. 33 home runs, 92 RBIs. He led baseball in games played, 162. He led baseball in plate appearances, 747. He had 43 doubles. He had seven triples. He had an OPS of 892. And he did all this from the leadoff spot and playing one of the toughest, if not the toughest, defensive position in the game, shortstop. What a year by Marcus Simeon. So this is what we're going to have on. We're going to have on Marcus. David Esker is the head coach at Stanford. He was the coach for Marcus at Cal. He's one of the great Stanford players of all time. So we'll talk to him about Marcus. We're going to talk to our old buddy, Ron Washington. Ron Washington was brought here, we know the story, by Billy Bean, brought him back again, said, hey, fix Marcus Simeon and turn him into a great shortstop. And he did that. And also Adam Virchis, who was the scout with the White Sox, who told the Chai Sox, we got to draft this kid. That's what we have for you today here on A's Unfiltered. And we're going to start with a guy who, let me tell you, he's salt to the earth. We're so lucky to have him here with the A's, not because of his talent, not because of the numbers, but truly the type of person he is. Marcus Simeon is good people. And it's always great to have him on the program. Here is my interview with an MVP candidate, Marcus Simeon. We do have him now on the phone with us, Marcus Simeon, the shortstop for your Oakland Athletics. Marcus, how are you?
3: Hey, Tony. How you doing?
1: I am, I am doing great. Um, as the last time we talked here at the offices here for the Oakland Athletics, we talked about you being in the top three. What did that mean to you when that came down and you heard you were going to be in the top three?
3: Uh, it's, it's very cool. I mean, I tuned into the, the show, the selection show they had, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't know the voting until I saw it. So sometimes you kind of hear through the grapevine what it's going to be, but it was all a surprise right there, and I knew it was a possibility, but it's, it's great to be top three.
1: No doubt about it, and I know the two guys that you're up there with who you get to play a lot. I mean, it's a, a three-horse race here in the American League West, and, and the respect that you have for both Trout and Bregman.
3: Yeah, I mean, those, those guys really had great years. I think that what they do best is they don't give away at-bats. Um, they, you know, a lot of times you look at Trout and just the, the pitches he gets to hit, and he, he takes full advantage of him, and if he doesn't get anything to hit he he's getting on base with a walk so uh he he controls the strike zone, he's a tough out uh, you look at Bregman kind of the same thing, and he's a guy who you know he knows exactly what he's doing in the box every time he knows the ballpark he's hitting in he's tailored his swing to that, but he can also beat you the other way, so he's just extremely dangerous hitter.
1: You know, when I, I think about your game and the one thing that you do that a lot of people don't do anymore, and we were actually joking as we were getting ready for this show, that we already have NBA players sitting out of games because of load management. You're a guy that takes it to the post year in and year out. You want to play 162 games. What does that mean to you that you've been able to train your body as an athlete that you can play in every single game during the Major League Baseball season?
3: Yeah, I mean, that's what I trained to do. Uh, that's the way I came up. It's the mindset I I learned at a young young age when I first got drafted. Um, and it wasn't necessarily somebody telling me that, hey, you need to play every game no matter what. It was kind of a thing that I saw, guys that I played behind, um, guys who, you know, Buddy Bell, my farm director, you look at his baseball reference page and you'll see 162 uh, multiple times, uh, it's just kind of the culture. Uh, Robin Ventura, same thing. So I learned that, and I thought, hey, I mean, if you can do it, you get a whole lot of chances to produce. And if you look at the uh, the plate appearances. I think I had like seven hundred and forty-seven. So you you get a lot more chances to produce and uh, learn and just use it.
1: So I think about you. You're in your prime. And I think about this season, and I look at your offensive numbers, and, and, and it just it just lights up the scoreboard, everything that you did this year, power-wise, extra base hits, scoring runs, you did everything. How much of this is not only you being in your prime, but you were 100% healthy?
3: Yeah, I mean, I felt great. You know, coming out of the 2017 season, you know, I I had a wrist surgery that year, and I – you know, it wasn't quite all the way back. It was definitely, you know, getting there, but I, I was ready to compete at the major league level, but it wasn't all the way there. And last offseason, really got my strength back and was able to do what I wanted to do in the weight room with my upper body. And, and then I showed up to, to camp, you know, with the just a, another year under my belt. And I think one year of everyday Major League Baseball is so much more valuable than any talent you could ever have, because you start to you learn how to compete, and uh, you use the ability that you're blessed with, and that you, the things that you learn along the way. But that one year of experience, you learn some, you know, some very valuable things. So that's what I tried to do.
1: Ron Washington is going to join us here at two o'clock to talk about you. And we recently had Eric Chavez on, and he talked about you. And we know how much Wash has meant to so many different people in this organization. David Force calls him the best coach he's ever seen here with the with the A's. So take us through what that was like when Ron Washington comes in and he's coming in to help you and make you a better shortstop and you guys went to the early fundamentals to, to where you are now. What was it like, your experience with Wash?
3: Yeah, Wash is a very special man and big part of my success, um, not only from you know, a defensive standpoint but a, a mental standpoint to where he – you know, he puts in the most work I've ever seen. He, he loves the game. Uh, how could you not want to play hard for this man? Um, you know, he, he shows up every day for you with, you know, very valuable knowledge, but, but a you know, great feel for um, the big league, you know, infield game. Um, you know, he, he hit me so many different balls and taught me so many different things about how to play the, the position, to where once he left, I feel like you know, the work that we put in, I could carry on to whoever was you know, my next coach. So I, I really thank him for that.
1: Well, and I think about how everybody feels about you, and we recently talked to, to Matt Olson, and David Force once again will join us later on, but we taped that earlier. And the one thing they all say about you is that You lead by example. You lead by not only playing every single day. You lead by working as hard or harder than anybody, and you do it every single day. So it's like one of those things like, you know, why are you going to slack when Marcus Simeon is out there working hard? Do you understand that what a role you have with this ball come from the standpoint that you lead by example and all these guys just follow?
3: Definitely. Um, I think that, you know, with me being here for five years now, um, you know, it's hard for, sometimes it's hard to come into a a new clubhouse and learn the ins and outs of the culture of, of a team. And for me, I've been here for five years. I've seen ups and downs, um, in these five years, but one thing that's been consistent is, uh, me wanting to show up and get better. I think it, it, comes from my love of the game. It's something that I've always loved and I've always been hungry for you know, knowledge and the only way to to get better is to show up and when you do show up use the the work ethic that you may have already had or that you have learned from others and you know, guys guys ask me a lot of questions. Hey, what do you what is your routine like here in Oakland? How do you use you know, the facilities we have, the resources we have. And that's where leading by example comes in because you use everything you have every day in Oakland.
1: No doubt about it. And you maximize that. And and, and one of the coolest things, too, is not everybody loves playing at home. Some people view it as a distraction. I've had guys tell me, you know, I don't want to play at home because everybody's asking for tickets and everybody's asking for stuff. I just like showing up every once in a while for a three-game series. Parents brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, whoever, and, and then I'm out of town in three days. You've embraced coming back home. Tell us what it's meant for you to do all this in front of family and with your wife here and your kids, what this has meant to you.
3: Yeah, it's very – it's great, I think, just to you – know, we live here in the Bay Area. Uh, so the only time we leave home is for, for spring training. Besides that, I'm here in Oakland, uh, in in the East Bay, and um, I like I love the convenience of that. You know, you get to you don't have to travel so much. We have two young kids, so it's hard. It would be hard to you know pick up and go all the time. And um, we we definitely love that. And I love that I get to play in front of my my parents and my grand grandfather and uh, people who get to you know they've always been a huge part of my life but they get to see me play and see what I do every day. So uh, it's been great. It's crazy that it's already been 5 years, but each year I've I've learned to love it more and more. I never had a problem with you know leaving my family a ticket to to see me play. It's been great.
1: How much did your phone blow up when this announcement came out?
3: Uh it wasn't not too bad. I mean, a lot of people that you know, I hadn't heard from in a while that just, you know, former coaches or, you know, whether it's, you know, from El Cerrito back in the day or travel ball or college. It's, it's just great to hear from everybody. And, you know, I think that most importantly, just talking to my parents after I went down and, and sharing the moment with, with my wife and kids and watching it, watching the program, from our home, and it's just a cool moment to share.
1: And let's end on this. This was a, a an unbelievable year. How just excited are you? Ninety seven wins in back to back years. People learn from their failures. You can learn from these wild card games. And now with this core and the guys around you, going to be one year better. How excited are you for two thousand and twenty?
3: Yeah, I'm excited. I mean think that there are a lot of games we wish we could have had back last year and games that were right in the grasp of our hand and we you know we let them go and you look at the win total we had 97 games with all those games I just mentioned uh we could we could have took that division so you learn from it and you you figure out okay why did these things happen and some of it is just baseball that's that's the way it goes but a lot of things are things we can control and that's where I said that one year of major league experience especially in a playoff race will help it will help all of us with our mindset and you know we get in certain situations up at the plate and you know maybe we change something or maybe we, we do something different so all these things will come together next year and hopefully we have a higher win total than 97 and fight for that division.
1: Marcus, hopefully the next time I'm talking to you, you you will have won the American League MVP. But if not, still, congratulations. It's been an unbelievable season for you and your teammates, and hopefully we'll talk soon and be well.
3: Okay. Thanks for having me.
1: Marcus, man, if he can have another year like that, maybe, just maybe, he will win the American League MVP. David Esker has been one of the legendary college baseball coaches in the Bay Area from coaching at Stanford, then being the head coach at Cal, and now being the head coach at Stanford, and also being a really good player back in the day at Stanford where he won a national championship. He's a college baseball legend, and he stopped by to talk about Marcus Simeon, a guy that he coached at Cal. David, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Towns, and we appreciate you taking the time.
4: Hey, thanks a lot, Chris.
1: Well, I got to think about a, a couple of your guys that you coached while you were at Cal, and that are doing such great things for the Oakland Athletics. And the first one we're obviously going to talk about somebody I know you're very proud of. And he's such good people. And we just had him on the program. We love him to death and that's Marcus Simeon. And the fact that Marcus is in the conversation with Mike Trout and Bregman for the MVP. Boy, that sure means a lot.
4: Oh man, so proud of him. Just Just a first class individual and Obviously, you guys know he's just an incredibly hard worker, and it just keeps getting better and better and <laughs> to the point where he's an MVP finalist. And that's, that's you know, very, very much it's just pride-inspiring for myself and I'm sure the whole Cal baseball family.
1: Yeah, what did you see in him when he was at Cal that you thought, you know what, if things go right for him, I could see him being a big leaguer?
4: Well, he just, obviously, physical ability. And, and we always knew, as good as he played for us, that there was just there was more in the tank. There was just more room to keep getting better and better. Uh, you know, when he'd hit some home runs and he'd touch a few off, you know, like, hey, there's just more in there when he gets, you know, in a professional setting and plays more baseball. And he was just always improving. You know, even his shortstop play uh, improved from one year to the next. And, you know, then when he got a chance, obviously, to work under – ron washington i mean he just has aptitude to learn and just and just get better so when he gets somebody like ron washington to work with it's not surprising that he can pick up the finer points of defense and and apply it and be become a great defender
1: that is the number one thing for me was you know the media we get there pretty early and we would watch wash just break down marcus to the most simplest drills He had all these different training gloves that Marcus was using. And it was stuff that I think guys with big egos would have been, I don't want people watching me do this. And Marcus never said a thing. Marcus was open about it. He would talk to us about it. I think one of the reasons that he has gotten to be the player he is is that he doesn't have that ego, and he wasn't afraid to learn and have someone teach him because normally you're not teaching this stuff at the big league level.
4: No, you're not. And I'll tell you what, the, you know, t- two words I always use to describe Mark is he's humble and he's hungry, right? And so you put those two things together, then you're going to have a, a willingness to learn and, and your ego will not get in the way uh, with you picking up things and being taught and, you know, taking suggestions and then just working, working really hard at it. I mean, he's just, he's got a great temperament to be a professional athlete. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He's just poised and, and, and just an extremely hard worker. Yeah.
1: And I think about sky's the limit for him because where he is at 28, right? He's healthy. And this is your prime.
4: Yeah. This is, this is, this is his golden years right here. And he's really just, you know, putting up numbers and God, he just provides just that, that, that solid middle of the diamond play both offensively and defensively. You know that you can, you can start putting pieces around him and the A's have, the A's have had great success and I mean it's just it's just awesome to watch both he and Mark Canna be a piece of it.
1: You know when you have a player that learn that that leads by example, when you have someone like a Marcus Simeon who plays every single day, he's out there every day grinding his ground balls, he's grinding in b p. As a coach, when you have a player like that, how does that help you inside your clubhouse? Knowing that everybody's going well, if Marcus Simeon's working that hard, I got to be working that hard.
4: Yeah, no, nobody has an excuse to not work hard. And so when you're when you're pushing the rest of your club, the example you're using is, hey, one of our best players and a player that's a you know a big part of our club um, works just as hard at his game to get to where he wants to. You have got no excuse to to slack off or not put in the time and the effort, you know, you're not, you can't be above that work because, you know, a player of Marcus Simeon's caliber is working at his game and taking it, you know, like a professional.
1: Yeah. And I think another guy that you had, and I'll never forget, Mark Cannon comes to the A's rule five. And we're asking like, okay, where's this guy going to play? Like here, he's got a decent bat. You know, is he going to be a DH? Is he going to be a first baseman? We're here. He can't play third. At some point they're going to try him and left. And then a few years later, he's now becoming like an everyday center fielder. Did you ever think you could see Mark Canna play a quality center field at the big league level on an everyday basis?
4: Well, I knew he could play at that level. Maybe center field, I I would not have put him there. You know, he played played right field and left field for me and played some first base and was a first baseman uh, his last year that he uh, was with us at Cal. But, you know – I, have, uh, I had an award that I named after Mark Canna after his years at Cal, and I, it, was, it was named for the, the player that was a, a culture changer and a program changer because that fearlessness that he plays with and the attitude that he plays that he, does, he doesn't care what the opponent thinks about him trying to play hard and playing to win. You know, you see it. He's bat flipping. He don't care what people think about that. He knows that that's for him and his team. And that's the that's just the fearlessness and the kind of the culture change guy that he was for us. And I end up I end up having a, a Mark Canna Award that I didn't give out every year. But when that player every now and then that came into your program that you knew was a, a big impact and a, and someone who changed your program forever, he was the recipient of the Mark Canna Award.
1: Well, we gave him a nickname and he likes it, and Bob Melvin likes it. Because he plays everywhere on the diamond, and whenever someone got hurt, Bob Melvin would put him there, and he'd take care of it. So I gave him the nickname Duct Tape, and he absolutely loved it.
4: Yeah, that's that's great. I, I think he would embrace that, right? Uh, and hey, I just love seeing him just just develop and flourish there with the A's. And you know, he's obviously a big social media presence. He loves he loves the Sharks, and he's a foodie, and he's got to bring some personality to the field, but. But but he also brings some attitude with him uh, and and a and a and a fearlessness that hey this is who I am and I don't care what you think about it we're just coming out to beat you and that and and you need that especially at the major league level that competitiveness.
1: You know you mentioned social media and I, I want to get your take on it. Uh, Because I can't imagine my head coach, because you know him, I played at San Jose State, I played for Coach Perraro, and thank God we didn't have social media, because we we probably all would have been thrown off the team for all the stuff that we were doing uh, around downtown San Jose. What is that like now for you as a head coach? You had to deal with a Cal, you got to do it here at Stanford, this new generation with players and social media and cell phones.
4: Yeah, you got to pay attention to it, right? You 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 don't need anybody representing your program and your school in a negative light. So, you know, you you do have to pay attention to make sure that they're respectful and they, and they are representing. Because nowadays, that's just not representing themselves, but it's representing your school, your team, and and you in, in particular. So, you 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 do have to have a little bit of an internet code of conduct nowadays, which you know we would never have thought of in the past. But that's just kind of the responsibility that student athletes have to take, um, you know, with their social media presence and what they do out out in public.
1: And then we can talk about Dalton Jeffries. Tell us where we're getting with him. Oh, hey, Dalton Jeffries is special, right?
4: He is special. He's he's a shortstop who pitches. I mean, he's an athlete. He's a baseball player, uh, but he's just a precision pitcher who's got some who's got plus stuff. And uh, hey, I'm so excited to see him move move through the the A's organization too, because he's going to get there. And uh, it's going to be exciting when he does.
1: Okay. So explain this to me, because I know how much Stanford, you know, playing against both Cal and Stanford and and going to the big game and knowing how much they they don't like each other. The fact that you played at Stanford, you were on, I was talking about Ed Sprague. We had him on earlier today. He was a teammate of yours in 87. Okay. So you played shortstop at Stanford. You coached at Stanford. Then you coach at Cal, your head coach at Cal, and then now you're back at Stanford. H- how does how does somebody make that work in that rivalry?
4: Yeah, you know what? Well, first of all, I'm blessed to have both those opportunities. You know, I was at Cal for 18 years and enjoyed my time, and I've got a lot of I've got a lot of Cal family still there, and 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 some of the greatest years of my life were spent there for that university. And there's such a mutual respect, and you find out when. When people graduate from Stanford and Cal, they often work together, right? And there's that mutual respect that, hey, you know, there's two high-achieving places that are shooting for the stars. And, you know, we battle pretty hard on the field. And, and obviously there's there's that competitiveness of the Cal-Stanford rivalry, which has always been there. Um, I knew when my years at Cal, those are the colors I was wearing. So I, I, I learned at Stanford, you compete hard uh, for your team. And, and sometimes you compete as hard against your brother as you do anybody else. So that's how it felt like when I would – play against Stanford during my years at Cal but uh, had great years and, and got uh, how I got there you know I guess there were a few coaches like John Ralston which I'd always point to and yeah. and uh, you know guys who were, who had done both and you know quite frankly we've got a couple really successful coaches here at Stanford who started at Cal you know Greg Meehan our our women's swimming coaches won national championships um, our women's golf coach here Ann Walker was a, a, Cal, a Cal golfer and, a, and an assistant coach at Cal so I mean, there's some fluidity between both places because both places are, are shooting for the stars. And obviously, Sharman Smith, who's the women's basket, head of women's basketball coach at Cal, was a, a Stanford basketball player as well. So it happens more than just myself. And, and you see both people just competing like crazy to win national championships at either place.
1: It, it, i mean for us it's crazy with the a's because you got simeon you got canna you got bob melvin cal and then you got Stephen piscotti stanford you got susan slusser one of the great beat writers of all time who's covered the a's mike for Aldready. years mike Aldretti. i mean it's like it's it's you like look us. you look around and as a san Jose state guy i'm completely outnumbered by everybody
4: <laughs> yeah I, I saw that i got to i got to go out in the field one time this summer and and it was great to see, you know, Bob Melvin out there. And obviously, Mike Aldredi caught the first pitch that I was able to throw. And, hey, you mentioned Ed Sprague was in the front office. And, hey, you mentioned all the titles and, and the gold medal. And, hey, if, if, if any of you have played with Ed Sprague or lived on a baseball field, he's not the luckiest guy in the world. Uh, it, is, it is not no accident that he's involved in all that winning. And, and I'm sure the A's are excited to have him because winning follows Ed Sprague. And, and, and you know, he's just, he's just a born winner.
1: Yeah, he said, like, for a five-year stretch, there was, like, no way he could lose.
4: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he, he had that, that horseshoe following him around. and, and uh, But like I said, it, it, it isn't by accident. He is, he is a hard driver and, a, and, and a fierce, one of the fiercest competitors I ever played with. And, and hey, he would have won the Mark Canna Award at Stanford as far as changing culture and, and impacting, a, impacting a program. He was that
5: type of player.
1: Coach, thank you so much for the time. I truly appreciate it. I know it's the fall, so you got a long way to go. Good luck in the 2020 season, and the Pac-12 will be watching you, and thank you for the time.
4: I appreciate it. We're keeping our fingers crossed for Marcus in that MVP vote.
1: Thank you, David. All right. We appreciate the time from Coach Esker. How about that? Cal and Stanford, player at Stanford, coach at Stanford, then coach Akal, now back at Stanford. Boy, has had a heck of a career, and getting to talk to him about Simeon and Mark Hanna, a lot of fun. Ron Washington had a heck of a year with his Atlanta Braves. We had him on a couple times during the playoff run, but now – It's all about talking about his pupil. Eric Chavez was recently on the program to talk about it, and we'll bring that up with Wash. But here is Ron Washington talking about how proud he is of Marcus Simeon. Ron Washington, one of the great coaches in A's history, and a big reason why Marcus Simeon is up for the American League MVP, joins us once again, A's Cast Live, with Chris Townsend. Wash, how are you?
5: I'm doing well. How are you guys?
1: We are doing well. First off, I know you didn't get as far as you wanted to go in the playoffs with the Atlanta Braves, but I got to say it was a very good year, and you guys are really building on something down there. You guys should be proud of the season that you had.
5: Well, we are very proud. You know, um, our young kids improved is what it's all about, uh, that they continue to get better, and they certainly did. And um, we have something, as you say, to look forward to. So now we're just looking forward to 2020.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you learn from from losing. I mean, it's just, you know, sometimes there's just teams that are, are young and just they don't know any better. But for a lot of teams, and even like the the late 80s A's, talk about losing in 88 to the Dodgers. That led to them winning in 89. We talk about the A's the last two years losing in the wild card, and I think you guys losing to the St. Louis Cardinals. You can really learn from that and prepare yourself mentally for the next season.
5: Well, you know, that's what uh, baseball is all about, Uh, just trying to get better and be consistent. And I thought last year we were very consistent from the year before. And if we can keep that consistency up going into 2020, I think uh, we may have a shot to go a little further next year. But, you know, the games are played between the lines, and there's no predicting. So um, I I just think we just got to make sure that our kids understand that they have to continue to get better. And with that, uh, good things will happen.
1: How proud are you of Marcus Simeon and the fact that he is one of the three up for the American League MVP.
5: Well, I'm very proud. I don't think words can describe how proud I am of Marcus. Uh, knowing the work he put in, knowing the dedication he got, knowing the teammate he is, knowing the character he has, um, I'm not surprised. You know, he just finally put everything together. that I think uh, the Oakland A's organization knew that was inside of him. He finally put it all together, both defensively, offensively, and leadership-wise.
1: When you came back to Oakland and you came back to help Marcus Simeon, what was the first thing you did? Did you watch video of him? Did you go up and talk to him? How did you start the relationship, and how did you start the process of rebuilding him?
5: Well, just meeting him for the first time. I mean, he knew who I was from across the way when I was managing in Texas and he was in Chicago. Um, Just explaining to him that uh, I can definitely help him go further along and get more consistent in his career. All I need him to do is put the work forth and believe me, and we can get this done. That was the conversation I had. And from the day one that I arrived in Tampa, he went to work. He never questioned anything. He just uh, went about his business, and it's paid off. And that's the type of person that he is.
1: Something that I talk about all the time, and I've said it a lot today, the fact that when you were working with Marcus, all of us got to see it. It wasn't like you guys did it in private. You did it out in the open, and I think some guys with big egos wouldn't have wanted to do that. They would have wanted to done it in private. You guys did everything out in front of us. You had different training gloves. You had different training methods. Talk about the fact that he was willing to learn, and he didn't care who saw or what anyone thought.
5: Well, I think what it was, I think you have to give Billy Bean, Dave Force, and uh, Bob Melvin credit. Number one, they believed in him, and he knew that they believed in him. And um, when Bill called me to come there to try to help Marcus go a little further on the defensive side of it, you know, everybody thinks the work is just on his defense, but we also work on his mentality, how to uh, deal with adversity, how to continue to, to do things and know that, We're looking at the big picture down the road, not just what's going to happen today or what's going to happen tomorrow. And this kid already had a tremendous mindset. So it wasn't that hard, really, to get him where he is right now. It just took the proper work on a daily basis, repetition, 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 because that's what the game of baseball is about. And the ability to do those things was already in him. He just had to be showed how to go about it. And that's why I came in. I just showed him how to go about it. But everything that Marcus accomplished was already in Marcus. And he finally brought it out of himself. Through the dedication and the hard work and the attitude and the commitment and the effort, all the stuff you guys seen out there, because the work he had to do had to be done on the field. We couldn't get it done in private. And I wouldn't have never tried to do it in private because I wasn't hiding anything. And Marcus wasn't hiding anything. The whole purpose was he was trying to get better. And he did.
1: And you're doing it at the premier position in Major League Baseball. You know, it, we we always laugh and, and we have the uh, the movie cut uh, talking about Hatterberg trying to play first and and Billy Bean is saying it's easy to play first and of course your character's like, No, it's not. Well, first base might got shortstop. That, you're talking shortstop watch, that's a whole different ball game.
5: Well, it is a whole different ball game, but if you got a student that's willing to put in a time and relax his mind and you have a coach that knows what he's doing, then it's easy, in a sense. My thing is, I just wanted Marcus to go out there and do what he had to do. Whatever went wrong with his game, he had someone there to help him get past it. And what might happen today can happen tomorrow or it can happen next week. But each time something happened that wasn't right, we discussed it, we worked on it, and when it happened in the game again, he was prepared for it. And that's what teaching is about. And, um, you know, you can be the best teacher in the world, but if your student don't don't apply what you're trying to give to him, uh, you are considered worthless. Well, I'm not worthless because Marcus applied it, and he was a tremendous student.
1: And so many times when, when guys work on one aspect of their game, it can affect the other aspect. And the great thing about where Marcus is now with that sound mind It's all flowing. Offensively, he was absolutely brilliant this year at the leadoff spot, scoring so many runs, hitting the home runs, the doubles, the RBIs. Uh, His numbers look like a guy hitting in the three-hole, even though he's a leadoff guy, and then playing gold glove defense. Isn't it beautiful, Wash, when everything's going together?
5: It is beautiful, and I can tell you what, the Oakland A's and the people that runs it and the people that make the decisions – from the top to Bob Melvin running things on the field, they knew that what Marcus has accomplished this year is something that could be a part of his game for a long time to come. They knew that. And it was just a matter of getting him to understand how to get the one part that was sort of difficult to him. It wasn't like he couldn't do it. Uh, He just didn't know. As you said earlier, he was playing a position that was prime and he just didn't know all the nuances of that position. Well, I didn't hold back. I gave him all the nuances, and it wasn't going to happen in a week. It wasn't going to happen in a month. It was going to happen through process. And we stayed in the process, and voila, what you guys got out there in Oakland is a superstar ball player, but we always seen that. You could see sometimes the way he swung the bat, what he was capable of doing. You could see his intelligence between the lines. And all of that stuff just came together through his work ethic, and because of his work ethic, it came together. And now he have it, and he's the kind of kid that will not let it get away because of his work ethic.
1: And another of your star pupils was on our show on Monday, and that was Eric Chavez. And he was singing your praises. You know, you've had an opportunity with Miguel Tejada. I mean, you've had an opportunity to work with some great infielders what is that like when, when, when you have somebody with great ability and then you're able to put your knowledge and help them as a teacher, put it all together, and it just makes something so special?
5: I think it, it all comes down to developing a relationship. It all comes down to making them a part of what you're doing. I know what I'm doing. You just got to believe in what I'm doing. And you have to stay in the process. So it's about developing a relationship. And I developed a relationship with every ball player that I ever dealt with. I developed that relationship where you can tell me what you feel, because that's the only way I'm going to know what I have to do to help you feel it on a more consistent basis. And um, that's what it was. I just was fortunate enough to be in Oakland when they had all them young infielders coming through there. And Marcus just happened to be one that Billy Dean called me back for. And... um you know, now I'm in Atlanta, and I have almost the same situation where I've got a group of young infielders that's willing to absorb as much knowledge as they possibly can to go along with their ability. And that's what it's takes. You want to play on what you know, and that ability will stay around longer. But if you're just playing on that ability one day, it will leave.
1: You know, watch we we got a, y- a lot of young baseball players that listen to the show. And obviously we're in the fall uh, you know, talking about whether it's college guys or high school guys will be starting after January, and you know, if you could give them some advice of what to work on in the off season to get them ready for the season, what would that advice be? Fundamentals.
5: Uh, how to hold, how to control your body, how to use your, your feet. You know, um, how to use your hands at certain angles. How to attack baseballs at certain angles. Um, You don't attack baseballs at the same angle, at the same position. So there's all of these different nuances that you have to have. But the main thing is to, number one, keep your feet moving. And if your feet is in motion, the hands will always work. Use your hands out in front of your body. Everything you catch, you can see. You know, I'm not into funneling. You got guys out there that funnel the ball, and they do a tremendous job at it. I will never change them. But those that are not having the success that those guys are having funneling. You always want to try to catch the ball out front where you can see it. And those are the fundamental things, and those are the things you have to repeat on a daily basis. And if you repeat those over and over and over and over, the good things will start to happen more consistent. In the game of baseball, it's about how consistent you can be.
1: I think Atlanta's got to be a lot like Oakland and a lot like the other teams that didn't win the World Series but had a good year, that this is going to be like a really short offseason because everybody is like itching to get back at it, itching to start 2020. I mean, we want to do the holidays and everything, but don't you feel like it's going to be a short spring because everybody's so, so excited about 2020?
5: Yes, and that only means that you know you have a chance as a group. You know you have a chance as a group and you can't wait to get back to do the things that you didn't get done uh, the prior year. And that means that there is excitement. And I think there's excitement in Oakland. And I know there's a lot of excitement in Atlanta.
1: Wash, you're the best. Enjoy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Christmas and the holidays. And we'll talk to you soon.
5: Happy holidays to you guys, too. Thank you for having me on.
1: From Ron Washington, who helped make Marcus Simeon the shortstop he is today, to Adam Burchis, the scout in Northern California for the Chicago White Sox, who knew when he saw Marcus Simeon, this kid has something special. Here is the scout that drafted Marcus Simeon. Adam, welcome to A's Cast Live with Chris Towns, and thank you for coming on the program.
2: Thanks, Chris, for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Well, I just got to think it's a special moment for you. We had Marcus on earlier on the show to watch Marcus Simeon grow and, and to be an AL MVP candidate. What it mean to you that he that he's at least in the top three as of right now?
2: Yeah, it's a pretty special moment, I'm, I'm sure, obviously, for Marcus and his family. And, you know, even myself, I mean, this kid uh, is a special kid. Um, it's, it's just crazy to me that his name is kind of e- even being mentioned with, you know, the Trouts and those guys of the world. And again, it's just a testament to him and what he's done over his career, um, all the hard work that this kid's put in. I mean, people sometimes don't realize what it really takes to get there. And this kid's a, a worker. He's a tireless worker. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's special. I mean, it's, it's got to be special for sure.
1: Well, we had David Esker, who you know, his old head coach. He's now over at Stanford once again, talking about him and talking about character. As a scout, when you first saw Marcus, what did you like?
2: Well, you know, when we saw Marcus, it was was actually back in high school. Uh, We we drafted him out of high school in 2008, Um, and we really liked him then, and you know, when I first saw him, I, I kind of saw a, a young, athletic kid. You know, obviously, when you go see a player, the first thing that you see without meeting a kid is, you know, his athleticism, how he moves. Um, he played shortstop, and, you know, he just – I remember like it was yesterday, you know. Um, I was with my supervisor, Derek Valenzuela, and we're just like, man, this kid really kind of reminds me, you know, of a young Barry Larkin, you know. He – he really moved well. And one thing that I like as as an amateur scout is just kind of how you move on your feet, you know, and he he ran well. And he just did all the little things right at that young age. And you knew he was going to grow up and get stronger, get bigger, um, and and get better. I mean, to say that, uh, you know, this kid was going to be in in an MVP race back in 2008, I'd be lying if I told you that. (laughs) But, you know, there was just something there. He, He did everything right. Um, I liked how he ran, and 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 that's something I look for a lot is how, how you run and how loose your body is. And he just he checked all the boxes at that point, and he could really throw. That was the one thing I was really intrigued in. And at a young age, if if you have an arm to play that that uh, super position, you know, at, at at that young of age, it's only going to get better. So that that's kind of what I saw early on in his high
1: school career. And then he goes to Cal, and now he starts to grow into his body and get stronger. And then just how much was it of his makeup of being a super guy? Did that help everything for you to tell the White Sox, you got to draft this guy?
2: Yeah, no brainer. Um, I've met a lot of kids in in my time doing this, and he's by far uh, one of the best makeup character kids you'll ever come around. Um, Again, I I got so many stories, but, uh, you know, out of high school once we took him, I remember calling down to my West Coast guy. He was at Disneyland with his family, and Marcus was going to go play in a summer game down there. And uh, we had him under control, I believe, for that summer. And I'm like, hey, listen, just go see him one last time. Let's try to sign him. And we ended up having a conversation with his mom and his dad. And you know, I'm sure as you know, you know, both of them went to Cal, uh, Cal grads. And I think the dad played football. And he wanted to go to Cal. And and after that conversation, we knew, hey, listen, we got to do right by him and let him go to Cal um and so we said hey you know what marcus we'll see you in three years that comes pretty quick and we're, we're going to try to draft you again and but character makeup that it just came out then it was just like i know what this kid's going to be he's mature beyond his age in high school and you know a, another quick tidbit i remember i was down in spring training this year and i was watching cal play in a tournament and i look up and, and marcus is in the stands just watching his old team play like Nobody does that anymore, and that that tells you right there what kind of kid this is. And I say kid, he's not a kid anymore.
1: No, he's, uh, you know, and, and his dad will call my show and, and know Marcus well and his wife. And and I like to say all the time, there's no question he was raised right. And his character plays so well in a big league clubhouse. And the thing that you notice about Marcus, too, is that he works so hard that He's a leader by example. Everybody knows this guy plays every day. This guy's out there early every day. He's grinding in batting practice. He's grinding it in his drills and taking ground balls. If Marcus is out there working hard, you know, Adam, that other other guys are gonna look at go, Well, I got to be out there busting my butt too.
2: Yeah, he, he's like a uh, what, what I call like he, he's a quiet worker, and it shows. Like he's he's just a quiet worker. He's not flashy. He's not famous you know, and it's just, that that's who he is, and that's who he's always been, um, and, and that's why he's so good. He listens. I mean, I talked to him for five minutes down there in, in Arizona when he was in spring training, and I asked him, hey, you know, what what has gotten you to this point, you know, and he, we just kind of talked for five or ten minutes, even about his approach at the plate. He's very, you know, he's very intelligent. He's a very intelligent young man.
1: And I think for someone in your line of work, you're going to have a you're, you know, if you're around long enough, you're going to have a bunch of guys drafted and not many make it to the big leagues. That's how tough it is. So I think just for you, when you get one of the guys that was your guys to get to the big leagues and then blossom like this has to mean so much to you for for all the work, all the time on the road, all the hotels, all the time away from your family. It's got to be special for you inside.
2: It, it is cool. I mean, it, it, you'd be lying. I mean, I'd be lying if I, I said it wouldn't, but it is very cool. Um, you know, you get a kid like this to do what he's doing. You know, we're, we're this is a tough, you know, we're, we're not the best psychics in the world. We, we really can't tell you exactly what each kid's going to be, but it, it is fun. You know, like you said, all the miles and stuff. And, and we draft a lot of guys over our years in doing this. And, and when you get a couple to get to the big leagues, does that have an impact? I think that's the most important uh, thing and the most satisfaction you get as an area scout is when a player actually has an impact, whether it's a middle infielder or or or, a, or an arm. Um, and and this kid's having an impact, and not only having an impact, an impact in his backyard now, you know. And you know, I'm sure that helps him a lot. And it's 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 really cool to see. Just not only just for me selfishly, but uh, you know, for the for the industry, it's it's really cool to get a guy in the in the sixth round. You know, that's a possible MVP, that, 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 you know, the signing bonus isn't $7 million like it is in the first round anymore. It's it's really cool.
1: And I think about your line of work, and your job is to evaluate humans, and it's not easy. And I always think about, you know, in the NFL, in the NFL draft, I mean, they have such an advantage because – When you're a college football player, not only is every game on television, every practice you do they film. They've got more film on a guy. You've got the combine; you can work them out. They get to see guys more than anybody, and you still miss drafting those type of guys. It's just it it is really, really a tough industry for no matter what. I mean, picking players, you just you think you know, but you just don't know how good they're going to be.
2: There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I've drafted guys who I, I who, who I've drafted kids who I think are the are, are the next coming. And, and and hey, God, this kid's a great kid. He's got a 4.0. He's done. This. Next thing you know, in two years, you know, he's getting himself in trouble. You you, you don't really know. Um, I mean, once you're in the business a little bit, you get a better feel because you start establishing relationships. And I got to tip my hat to to Dave Esker in the Cal program because. You know, they're a program that they're, – they're you know, they're very scout-friendly. Dave, Dave is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He's scout-friendly. He lets us get to, to know his kids um, on and off the field. He, he doesn't restrict that. And, you know, having a guy like that run your program that, you know, Cal's had a lot of success with a lot of players over there getting to the big leagues over the years. So the more you get to know a kid, obviously, you know, you feel better about drafting that kid. Uh, but even sometimes the best kids in the world end up not being that best kid if, if, if that makes sense
1: no doubt and you were with Andrew Vaughn right out of Cal you got him drafted Correct yes so you know the one comparison He's pretty good. yeah I heard Jeff Bagwell man. well if he can have a career like Jeff Bagwell, I think he'll be okay uh, third pick overall in the 2019 draft tell me tell me what you loved about him and why you think he'll get to the big leagues
2: yeah, uh, Andrew, uh, another prime example of uh, a mature, you know, professional approach as a college kid, 21 years old, you know, you could go watch this guy and, and, and you'd put him in a big league uniform right now and you, you would think that he has been in the lineup for five years. Um, his his just knowledge of, of, of the strike zone, his approach, his mentality, um, I – Every time I came to see this kid, it's a different position, but he kind of reminded me of Matt Williams um, as, as a hitting approach. Just never really swung and missed, and he was just – I love to watch Matt Williams hit. When I go see a player, an amateur player, i got to have that feeling of, I want to be here, I want to watch you hit. I want to see what you're going to do with this slider down and away. I want to see how far you know, Andrew Vaughn's going to hit one over the building. And this kid has a chance to be really, really special uh, over, over at first base. It's premium bat. Uh, uh, the makeup's off the chart. Um, so I, I expect him to be in the big leagues and, and do some damage in the next couple years for sure.
1: And I think about the White Sox. White Sox were young. They've taken on the chin. I have a feeling that they're going to make some moves this offseason. They had the big money for Manny Machado, but now they're going to spend it somewhere else. How's your feeling overall about the organization heading into 2020?
2: I'm feeling ecstatic. Um, I've been here for 25 years. Uh, so I, I've been through the ups and the downs. And this feeling that we get, we just had organizational meetings. They went really, really well. We're, we're, we're extremely excited about these young players that are coming up in our system. Um, and once we find a couple more pieces to that puzzle, you know, ho- hopefully something good here could happen. But I, I couldn't be happier. Um, I- I'm very excited looking here towards the next couple of years for sure.
1: Adam, we really appreciate your time and congratulations with Marcus. I, I know it means a lot to everybody that's been around him.
2: You got it. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: I'm just so happy we're celebrating Marcus Simeon. Such a special guy. What a great player. What a great A. A local kid done well. And it's so much fun to talk about the greatness of his season because it's truly one of the greatest all-around seasons I've ever seen. From a day-to-day basis, watching it every day, truly one of the best I've ever seen. So we want to thank Marcus. We want to thank David Esker. We want to thank Ron Washington and Adam Virtus. You've been listening to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Now back back to A's Cast, powered by TuneIn.
0: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.
6: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.